All right, we got here Mark J. Silverman, an executive coach, host of the Rising Leader podcast, author of the Rising Leader Handbook. We had an awesome offline conversation just briefly before, and then um, Mark is definitely down the ideal category of people that we like to interview. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Mark. I appreciate it. And I, I just love being in the sweet spot of the ideal. Absolutely. Let's go. So with that, let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit more about your story, you know, where you've been, where you're at now, and then we'll, we'll go in from there. Oh, so, so if I have to tell my story, it always starts with the same, with the same story. Um, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough like you guys to have a talent and a skill to get you through college so that you could figure yourself out afterwards. My talent and skill was drinking and drugs. Uh, so that didn't end up well for me. So I was homeless by the time I was 27. Uh, I got, I got sober in 1989 at 27 years old. So you can start doing the math there. Uh, my brother, my older brother, uh, helped me, helped me, uh, get sober, gave me some money, gave me a place to live. Uh, and from there I started to take college classes then. So I got my college education by, you know, in my forties when I graduated, uh, but I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my world uh, because I just had no experience. Uh, and I got a job as a sales guy. And I'm an introvert and I'm shy and I don't like to bother people. And uh, so sales was absolutely the thing for me to go into. But it was the thing that I didn't think needed skills. So I went into sales. And once I figured it out, once I figured out that if I was of service to people, you know, I, I start. I went from last place in my sales organization to first place. Uh, and I, I, I wound up getting jobs. I went, uh, I wound up going from $26,000 a year to $52,000 a year to $100,000 a year to $250,000 a year, all because I learned how to create relationships, how to create connections and how to get people to trust me. And I, I built a resume in the high tech industry that is second to none. I've been, you know, at some of the most amazing marquee companies. Uh, but what happened is I got sober, got married, had kids, went from homeless, became rich, had a million dollar house, had a sports car. Uh, and that was going great. I was a third grade basketball coach and committee chair for the Boy Scouts. And that was going great. Uh, except my insides didn't catch up to my outsides. So, you know, in my late forties, where it usually happens, you know, somewhere in your late thirties, mid forties, uh, the wheels start coming off if you don't start listening to that inner voice that something needs to change. Now, you guys, I've been listening to your podcast. You guys are so well-rounded. You realize that success, and for success's sake, is empty, right? That you have to have a whole life. You have to have a holistic viewpoint of the whole thing. Back when we were doing this, we didn't have that, right? It was drive, 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 look good, look good, look good. Uh, so things fell apart. My marriage fell apart. My health fell apart. and. Uh, uh, I, I couldn't sell anymore. My career was absolutely in the toilet. I didn't know what was going on. I was having panic attacks and and uh, breaking out in hives in meetings, in high-level meetings with CEOs and CIOs, running to the bathroom so nobody would see. And I didn't know what was going on. I had never, I didn't take a drink. I knew that if I took a drink, this would happen. I didn't think this would happen stone cold sober. This happens to a lot of people in hiding, right? That mid That midlife crisis thing, uh, is is going is is going to get you if you don't evolve if you don't shift if you don't change uh sometimes but sometimes it just looks like blowing up a marriage and buying a sports car and getting a young younger model of your spouse right sometimes it looks pretty glamorous but inside it's really tough 
what happened was that year I, I was, I was really, really sick and I was, I thought I was going to die. So I made this uh, promise to myself. I heard some guy on the radio while I was sitting in a doctor's parking lot saying, uh, everybody can run, you know, we're bipedal. We can run. We're built to run. So I was like, I believed him. I couldn't run a mile. So I decided I was going to run the Marine Corps marathon. Uh, and I called him up and asked him to coach me. And then I decided I needed to make a million dollars if I was going to die. I wanted my, my, I wanted my kids to know that if tragedy struck, you know, you can overcome it. You can do something with it. So I wanted to make a million dollars and I want to give $60,000 to charity. And that year I did that. I, uh, I ran the Marine Corps marathon an hour faster than my best time. I made the million dollars and I gave $60,000 to charity. The byproduct was I was healthier than I ever was. My career was back on track, right? I was crushing it. My family was starting to heal. And while I was running, I was listening to every self-help book you ever heard of, every spiritual book you ever heard of. I was giving myself an education on rewiring Mark, on building Mark Silverman completely different. So when I went back to my career, uh, all I could see was what it was costing to be in the 1% for all my contemporaries. I know it no longer looked glamorous to me. It, it, it looked like the, the, the rough inner landscape that it is. Uh, so I started taking coaching courses and uh, wound up just leaving a half million dollar a year job, hang out my shingle as a coach, which I don't recommend doing when you have a family depending on you and elderly parents. Uh, but you know, several years later, wrote a book. My coaching practice is uh, chock full with a waiting list, uh, written several books. Uh, and uh, now all I do all day, every day is teach executives and entrepreneurs how to be successful in every area of their lives. That's incredible. Uh, Sorry, Len. Go ahead. I was going to ask you how long of a timeline that was for you to make that big change and pivot, that big transformational shift in your life. Like how, how long did that take you? The transformational shift was, uh, so 1989 is when I got sick and then ran the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, I became a coach in 2013, mostly because the people I was working for couldn't stand me sending out newsletters of all kinds of self-help stuff. <laughs> it was driving them crazy. But uh, it, took, it took about three or four years to stop hating myself, to stop being miserable, to starting to find the joy in life and the drive in life and, the, and my purpose, right? So my purpose, I know I was put on this earth to help people live the kind of lives they want to live. Uh, I hang out my shingles as an, as an executive coach because I love living in glass buildings. I love the corporate world. I love the business world. Even though I'm not a great businessman, I am a, I'm an excellent leadership coach. Uh, so I love, I love watching people who are so earnest and so driven to create things, to build things, to, to win. But I love teaching them to do it in, again, a holistic manner. So, you know, all my clients must have date night with their spouse. Right, weekly. They must spend time with their kids. I'm 61 years old. I, you know, most of my clients are in their 30s and 40s. I'm like, if I'm in better shape than you, something's wrong. Right. So we have a conversation about, I'm not going to coach you until you've gone to the gym eight times. I've said that to clients. I said, you, you paid me, but I'm not going to talk to you until you sent me a picture of yourself in the gym eight times. Right. So it's, a, it's the whole person. But that transition, that. the transition to coaching took about four years. Uh, then it took another couple of years to really click into who I am, what it is I do, who I serve. Some would say overnight success, right? <laughs> right, a decade, ten years ago, an overnight success. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's so crazy that you say that because those are like some of the exact words that I, I had this epiphany. I go on a retreat every year in El Salvador, 
and not to make this about me, but it's super relatable right now. Uh, I was, I, I always struggle with the whole self-loathing part, right? Every time, you know, as a high performer, we just constantly want to push for more. And I think there's an awesome level of accountability that we have to hold ourselves to. But anytime that we don't reach that level, a lot of men specifically, I feel, retreat to hate, hatred of themselves instead of dealing with those answers with empathy of saying, hey, like, yes, it's not okay to just consistently go back on your word, but I still love you for it. And let's, let's figure out how to empathetically move forward here and become better and, and create more sustainable lifestyle. So who's, I, I, who's, who's taught to have compassion for themselves as a child? Like, well said. Where, where was that? Where was that class? Right. Uh, oh no, no, you're you're wonderful just the way you are. Right. That that uh, I don't I don't know that anybody's heard. That. I know my kids have because both my ex wife and I uh, dealt with crippling self hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but so, you know, again, high achiever. You know, you talk about you know high achievers. Uh, the, my podcast is the Rising Leader Podcast, turning high achievers into into you know effective leaders. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a high achiever. Everybody else in my life calls me a high achiever. I wouldn't. And uh, one coach once said to me, if you're a high achiever, you won't think of yourself as a high achiever because you're always driving yourself for more, right? So it's, it's built into that engine and it's, it's unhooking from that engine. That's the hard part. If I don't, if I don't beat myself up, if I don't push myself, if I don't, if I don't trash me, I'm not going to be motivated. That's the only way I know to motivate myself rather than figuring out what's going to pull you rather than mm-hmm. push you. Yeah, it's a, it's unraveling that identity around the results instead of just like, you know, um, what you want that process to look like and identifying what genuinely brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, w- do you think there's merit around, because this is something that um, I struggle with the concept around, is like, is there merit around there having to be a learning curve through experience and having to go through that mega downfall to then eventually make the change? Or do you think it's possible, you know, working with coaches as yourself to not really have to go through that massive downfall and have and see the light? Because uh, I, I definitely think that a lot of us get in our own way and don't listen to advice until we hit until we hit that roadblock. What are your thoughts around that? Uh, so it's the reason I do what I do. I don't think you have to have that massive downfall. I think the massive downfall is because you're not listening. Right. The massive downfall is because life is saying, you, you know, instead of instead of rolling the ball up the hill, you need to use your wisdom. You need to use your intuition. Uh, maybe you put your maybe you climb the ladder and but you climb the ladder on the on the wrong wall. You talk about a lot. You know, your listeners are people who are in the corporate world and want to move over to entrepreneurship. Right. A lot of people don't figure that out until later. And then they have the handcuffs. Right. I can't start a business. I have a family. I need health insurance. Right. I need all those things. And then all the, they can't, they, they go from, I either need to flush it all and go start new or I can't do anything. And the, 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 the mind doesn't like incremental, huh? Maybe I'll just start to explore what businesses I could be in. I did it. I cut the cord. Like I cut the cord, uh, immediately and turned myself into a coach. And that was financially devastating for me at first. Uh, but it's the only way I knew how to do that. I didn't know how to incrementally dip my toe into something and pivot, right? Um, my commitment to my family, I took care of my family. They never missed a payment. They never missed a dollar that they needed or the support or being there. But it was touch and go, you know, so it's hard. But again, you don't need the downfall if you know what's coming. If you know that internally, you're going to be satisfied somewhere between 38 and 45. For me, it was a little bit late because of my homelessness. I was kind of immature, but it's all not going to look right at some point. 
And you have to have the courage to look at it and say, huh, this person I'm married to, I'm not happy. What am I going to do about that? Instead of saying, I can't look at that because that means I'm going to have to get a divorce. No, it means that you have to evolve your relationship, right? It means you both have to double down Mm -hmm. and figure out what you want to create after that initial hotness, then the boring, then, you know, do you want to do the things you need to do to get to that special intimacy that only long-term relationships can have, right? But it takes work. And again, pivoting careers, any, anything like that. But if you don't listen, you usually wind up with some kind of financial ruin, relationship ruin, or health ruin. How important is the dynamic between the person you choose to be with and spend your life with, with your career? Whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're in the, the corporate space, like how important are both of those variables? Where do you see people make mistakes? Like if you were able to go back and talk to your young self, figuring shit out for the first time, right? Like picking a partner, how important is that with the mind of your career path and your trajectory and some of your goals? Uh, so if I listen to my Twitter bros, uh, you have to find just the right whim, just the right woman to support your, and uh, I take that with a grain of salt. What you really, you know, you want to be happy in your home life. You can't be unhappy in your business, unhappy in your psyche, and then unhappy in your relationship. You have to have two of the three working, right? You can't, you you can't create if more than uh, if if more than one of those things is out of balance. So having a, having a stable relationship, which by the way, if you're in a relationship, it's not going to stay stable, stable. It's never going to stay stable. If you're an entrepreneur, it's never going to stay uh, stable. You're going to have to learn how to deal with conflict. You're going to, and disappointment and work through those things. And then you'll look back and see that it was stable. Right. So let's, let's walk through that. You know, the, the things that have to be done, the work that has to get put in, walk us through what a client experience looks like with Mark J. Silverman. And let's say there, I'm someone with a lot of this instability and uncertainty. Where do we start? Uh, well, oh, instability and uncertainty, huh? Because I'm, I'm thinking of my corporate clients. Because my my I'm usually I'm usually called in when someone's really really talented, a great you know just great at their job, but they've been elevated to a leadership position and don't know how to either lead up or lead on a team of other leaders that used to be in the star. They don't know how to do success through others leading their team, or they're burning the candle at both ends and they're just falling apart. And I'm called in from, usually from a CEO. Can you fix this person? Right? Sure. So let, uh, let's start there. Let's start with, with that, that client avatar. So the first thing is, you know, first thing is a, is a, is a conversation with them and I have to fall in love. I have to, I won't coach anybody that I don't you know I'm all, all in, in their corner. If there's something, if there's something wrong, if something doesn't feel right, uh, I will refer them out. Uh, but I have, but we have that conversation of what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, like I had one, one, one uh, client who said, took me out to coffee, and he said he was his. He, I was hired because he was completely overwhelmed. He worked until two, three in the morning every single night. He had no home life. He had no social life. And uh, and when we sat down for coffee, he goes, "Look, you're not going to change me." I just need some tips and tricks to be more efficient. And I said, I can't help you with that. Like I can't, you know, you, you, you couldn't work any harder. He said, well, you're not going to change me. I said, all right, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I love, I love this guy. I, I, he was so honest with me. Uh, you know, and now he's in a long-term relationship. He has left, he's in the same company, but he changed jobs to exactly what he wants to do. He got a dog, you know, he's going on vacations, right? And he's super successful. But the, the, the first thing I do is a 360 uh, interview. So I interview five, six, seven people in the organization, sometimes a spouse. 
uh, to get a 360 view of who this person is. Because the CEO will tell me who they are, but that's not the whole story. They'll tell me who they are. It's not the whole story. So I get different perspectives so I can start to see you know, how they're showing up in the world, what's the impact in the world. Then when I, when I give them this report and I show them that says, you know, your people shrink every time you walk into a room. Your temper has made it so that people aren't honest with you. Right? When, I, when I show them the results of their behavior, it's always eye-opening. I get immediate results with that. If I can do it right and I can get them to listen, most people don't want to have a negative impact. They may not know how to do it differently, but they don't want to have a negative impact. Then the other thing I do is personality testing. I use Enneagram because I want to take, I want to take some of the traits. You're an analytical person. You're a, you know, you're a natural salesman. You know, you're this kind of person. I want to take those traits and I want to impersonalize them. So when we do a personality test, we say, oh, this personality type tends to lean towards, you know, controlling. Right. So let's work on let's work on on that. So together with the 360 and the the personality testing and my own interview, we can start to see where to start. And then we then we then we look for the low hanging fruit where, you know, where will where what can we take away? What behavior can we take away that will make the most bang for the buck? What behavior can we add that will make the most bang for the buck? And then we almost always start having really deep conversations about psychological trauma from childhood. Once they trust me, we start finding out why they are the way they are. Sure. I love it. I really like the the initial 360 view. I, I haven't really heard it you know, spoken that way because a lot of people just like maybe in, implement the, the advice from the CEO and the person. But I mean, the, the amount of due diligence you do around the person that you're working with is, is incredible. So now, how do you personally keep your sword sharp given the fact that like in order for you to effectively lead these people, you need to continue to increase your effectiveness as a leader? So walk us through any coaches or mentors or books that you're reading to continuously evolve in your world. Uh, one of my friends sent to me, you know, she keeps sending me these spiritual books uh, or she'll talk about it and I'll say, oh yeah, I read that one. She goes, of course you have. Like I've been, you know, being this old, I get to have done a lot. So I've read, I read the books. I constantly, I constantly read uh, YouTube videos uh, have been really helpful because I don't, if I don't want to read, I just do that. Um, but I've always had coaches. My, you know, one of my first coaches says, you can't take your clients any deeper than you're willing to go. So I've sat in the desert with shaman and faced my, faced my demons, right? I've, I've, uh, I've been to business coaching classes. I've been to sex coaching courses, intimacy co coaching. Uh, I've done, I've done all my own work and continue to do it. I've gone on medicine journeys. I've done, I've done so much work to keep my sword sharpened. Two o'clock on Fridays, every Friday, I meet with three other coaches. We've been meeting for seven years. Uh, every Friday, we almost never miss. One person's in Mexico right now, and she won't miss the call. And we coach each other, and we prod each other, and we love on each other. And so I keep, I, I keep, I, you know, I believe everybody should have a posse of people. If you don't have a posse of people, you're going alone. Like you can't, you can't sustain that. It takes a lot. But I also, you know, I, I don't wake up Zen Master Flash. You know, everybody says, Mark, how are you so grounded and centered all the time? And I'm like, because I build this guy. I create Mark J. Silverman every day. I wake up like everybody else. I fucking hate waking up in the morning. So, and I was, I was joking with my son about this. He's, he, 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 um, he's, was ha he's having trouble getting up early. And I said, I said, dude, nobody likes to get up early. Like, I don't get up early to meditate. I fucking, hate, excuse me, I hate it. 
I said, I get up early to have my coffee. I put turmeric in my coffee and collagen and it's delicious. That gets me out of bed, right? I make my coffee. Then I sit on my, my meditation cushion, right? That, so I use that to get it. So I meditate, I journal, I do a thing called morning pages, write for 20 minutes, stream of consciousness, uh, read something, you know, short from a good book. Then I uh, sit in front of the, uh, um, sit in front of my fish tank. I have a big saltwater fish tank with, to have coffee with my partner. And then I go exercise. Uh, then I, I, my first client does, I don't get my first client until eight 30 unless they, if they call me early and they absolutely have to talk to me early in the morning, cause it's an emergency of some sort, I'm perfectly happy exercising in my basement while they talk to me on the phone, but they know I'm going to be huffing and puffing, uh, because I do that. Well, but, I, I, yeah, I build this guy every day. And I appreciate the vulnerability because I don't think a lot of people are willing to go there as um, you know, coaches and leadership and all these things. I think a, a, a lot of people portray themselves, especially on t- social media, as if they have it all figured out. Oh um, yeah, no, I love getting into an ice bath every morning. It just, it's just my thing. My son says, he says, Dad, you know, I, it's been three weeks since we had that conversation. He says, I've gotten up every morning. I said, really? What was the, what was the difference? He said, I thought you had to be spiritual, like you had to wake up every morning and just feel motivated. He says, and you said nobody does. He says, so I get up and I'm miserable, and I, but I get up every morning. I'm like. There you go. You just I always it. remind myself. I always remind myself too, because I'm I've been a pretty or I've been in a four or five AM or for probably like six or seven years now. And my reminder to myself is that I have never had an experience where I've woken up early and not had a more productive day. <laughs> and not had more not just <clears throat> felt more confident in the tasks that I was able to accomplish but that before the world even starts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always remind myself of that. And then also going to bed early doesn't, doesn't hurt either. <laughs> now, now again, remember, you know, for me, I have to be in a certain place to be of service to the people I encounter to, you know, I, I have to be able to handle things. I have to be able to set my ego aside to be able to be there completely for a person. But then when I talk to my clients in order to be an effective leader, right? You have to be grounded and centered. You have to get, take care of your own shit so you can be there for other people. And I, you know, I, I, I have clients who I talk to, you know, they, when, when they call me and they say, I just lost it. I just lost my temper to this person. And I'm just, you know, and it, it's, it, I'm mad at my wife and this and that. I'm like, when was the last time you've been to the gym? Like, how's your food? Oh, you've been out drinking with, with uh, some clients the last couple nights, right? Your allostatic load, which is that that ability to handle stress is up to, you know, up top. Like you don't, ha- you don't have any give to give people mulligans. So if you're not taking care of yourself first, you're not going to be effective. And, and that's what I've come to notice about studying some of the best leaders and talking to, to folks like yourself. Like it's already hard enough. So how can we create the best environment to make it a little bit easier? Like for example, um, I started implementing, I hate waking up as well. I started implementing, putting my phone in the other room and having the alarm in the other room. So I have to get up to go do it. Right. And once you're up, it's like, all right, I might as well stay up. And then understanding yourself to the level of being able to self-correct of like, oh, my energy levels are shit. I probably haven't been going to the gym as much or haven't, you know, I've been, you're just constantly testing. Um, You know, and when you're in your twenties and thirties, like you, you know, like you guys are, your body takes care of you, right? You're, you, you can, you can burn the candle at both ends. You can, you can kind of power through at half mast. When you get into your fifties and sixties, 
right? Now it's energy management. It's almost like being in the Tour de France. Like it's it's not the strongest guys that win. It's the people who do the 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 energy management, right? I take a I take a ten minute power nap on the floor of my office every single day. I just lay down on my floor, put my headphones on, and out for ten minutes. Wake up, have a cup of coffee. I'm good to go. So I can do anything a thirty year old can do as long as I get my nap. I love it. I love it. So w- walk us through your business model and how that goes about work. Cause every, like when I'm hearing that these 360 meetings and this client on board, it seems very labor intensive and it requires you there as well. Like what's the model to scale and, and grow your business and what, what's that look like? So my, my business is really robust on one-on-one uh, and it is intensive and I charge a lot of money. So uh, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm fine with the way I'm compensated for what it is I do for a living, um, which I would do for free anyway, which is kind of fun like, to be able to do that. But for me scaling, I, have a cor- I, I created a course called The Rising Leader Course. It goes with my new book, The Rising Leader Handbook, comes out in January because uh, I'm now in the process of moving one to many. Um, in the pro- I codified what it is I did for a living. I, I hired someone to actually interview me and interview my clients and sh- figure out what it is I do. We codified it into a 12-module course. So I can now teach this to a cohort of people and that we're, we're going to roll that out at the beginning of next year. So what is the, yeah, to, to go to more into that, like what the, what's the vision? Where it, you know, so what's the, your why, that whole corny question, but then also like, what's the big picture vision where you see so the, so the vision, the vision is kind of small. Uh, the vision was, uh, to, to see if I can turn this into something where I train the trainers and have, have, you know, multiple cohorts going at one time where I don't have to be there. And I'm just kind of the, the brand of the, of the whole thing. Uh, I'm not sure how much juice I have to do that. Uh, I, I have a really good life. Uh, and I have, um, I get to do what I love to do and I'm going to feel into as I bring on team members, how it feels. If it starts to feel like I'm back in a corporate job and I'm not coaching and I'm running a business rather than doing what I love, uh, I don't want to do that. I'm not that money hungry that I, that, uh, that, or, or that, that ambitious that I need to see my name in lights all, you know, all over the place. But if the right people come along, if I can create the right teams so that I still get to do what I love and I enjoy myself every day, then I'll make this thing as big as it wants to go. I'm told every single person who looks at it, every person who goes through it tells me this is really unique in the leadership space because what we do is the special sauce I have that isn't really in the leadership space is is looking at it from four different perspectives. First is leading up. How do you become a trusted advisor? How do you become a good number two? How do you follow while being a leader? Right? How do you speak truth to power? That's one of my gifts is teaching people to do that. The other is it's so much it's much easier to be a leader of a team of people. There's plenty of books on how to lead people, you know, on a team and how to how to become that person. Not a lot on how to lead on a group of other people who also are ambitious, also want to be number two, also, you know, the coopetition of being on that team, because you have to be a cohesive team, but you also have your own agenda, right? How do you do that? And then how do you take care of yourself? So we go through all four of those perspectives in the book and in the program. That's incredible. And speaking of the book, I know you had mentioned that, um, you know, there's some free value that you want to give our listeners here. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the stuff that you got going on and how our listeners can access that. 
Sure. So my first book was called Only Tens, uh, Confront Your To-Do List, Transform Your Life. Uh, the tagline is you don't have a time management problem. You have an honesty problem. You're saying yes to stuff you just shouldn't be saying yes to. You can't set boundaries because you don't want to tell the truth and that kind of thing. It was kind of a people pleaser's guide and a guy, uh, ADHD guide to running a business on my own. Uh, I wrote that book in 2015 and it sold 1,500 copies in the first day. I'm ordering uh, it right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, you all, you can get a free copy. So, so uh, you know that that book has run its course as far as what I want to do. So, I give it away free on my website. You can get a PDF there. And the, my new book, the Rising Leader Handbook, we did a we did a 25 page uh, ex, uh, summer, executive summary of the book, so you can get some of the points now, and you can download both of those for free on my website. And also. Because most of my clients will not read my book, they will not read. I they made me make videos. I have a video course for only tens. It's free, also for those who don't want to read. I love it. We'll, we'll link awesome. all that stuff in the description. So, so as we near the wrap up point, as I'm sure you you kind of know how the end of this flows. You've listened to our podcast before. This is the Consistency Wins podcast, and so we do ask you know every one of our guests on the show, what does consistency mean to them? So, what, what does that word mean to you, and how does that show up in your life? Uh, consistency for me is over the long, I've, I've long, uh, made the calendar longer for consistency. I don't look at what I do every single day. I look over a week. Did I exercise most of the time over a month? How was my food? And you know, like, what are the trends rather than every single day? That said, I'm, I'm a, you know, I have to have a habit because if I, if I miss two days of my meditation, it'll be three weeks before I get back to meditating. So I do do that every single day. But I, I don't want to beat myself up for if today I didn't do a good job, I wasn't consistent. I want to see was I consistent over a longer period of time because that's more indicative of my long-term uh, success. Well said. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we're going to go, we, we don't just get free shit. We'll Brian, everything you got. So thank you so much. Um, I highly recommend everyone, you know, goes and downloads the books, follow Mark. Um, thank you so much for taking your time and pouring into us and our listeners. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to continue connecting. I appreciate you bringing me on. Oh, so we lost. That's good. The way, the way your email comes through, I thought, I thought your last name was your first name. I was like, what a, what a, I'm sorry, guys. I accidentally clicked leave instead of stop recording. It's okay. Uh,